Wow, what a pleasure to be here this morning among friends at Faith Lutheran. Special pleasure. You really do have a special place in my heart and in the hearts of the babyfold uh, families. Um, and I've chosen two scriptures this morning. Um, Pastor Brian, you shared with me a while ago that you're kind of focusing on, on this whole love one another thing, love one another. How's that going? <laughs> I said, thanks, Brian. It's like the hardest scripture in the entire in the entire Word of God. I mean, it's just, if it was easy, we'd all be doing it, right? The whole world would be doing it. But it is the law of Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. It's like our marching orders. It's the one thing. It's the one thing that if we do, uh, we will be fulfilling the law of Christ. So I, I pulled that scripture, and then another one uh, I pulled uh, from scripture was Philippians 2.14, where Paul says to, in his letter to that church, do everything without grumbling and complaining. So love one another as I have loved you, says Jesus, and do it without grumbling or complaining. Thank you and have a good day. <laughs> love one another, that sounds so basic. Duh, did you have to go to seminary to get that message, Lori, really? I mean, love one another, that sounds so easy, and yet, of course, it's not easy. It is very difficult. It is not new news. It is doesn't even sound like good news some days, does it? I'm just going to confess right now, there are days I'm not good at it, that loving one another thing. And I really want to. I want to love one another, and, I'm, and one another means everyone, right? I want to. My heart is in the right direction. I want to, but... Um, we're not doing a good job inside and outside the church. I mean, just look at the world. It's not going perfectly, right? And, you know, I don't mean to be a downer this morning, but, geesh, we got some loving to do, right? Inside and outside the church. And I'll just confess, I think my problem is I, someday I just don't feel like it. I, am I the only one? I, I just don't feel like it because... I may want to love everyone. I want to do that love one another, but I don't like everybody. Just saying. I know this is on film, but I, <laughs> I just don't like everyone. It's hard to love someone you don't like, right? And it's hard to love someone who's not like you. It's very natural for us to kind of clump up with people that are like us. That's normal. That's what we do. We kind of... We're like magnets. We, we draw towards people who are like us and people who like us, <laughs> right? And, you know, but then we look at the model of Jesus. Guess what? Jesus never met anybody who was like him. Never. There was nobody ever like him, ever. He, he, he never met someone, 100%. Never met anybody like him. And yet... He loved, and I think even liked, everyone. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. This goes beyond loving your neighbor like yourself. This goes this is beyond that. This is a standard that we are called to that is beyond. I mean, face it, almost every world religion has some component of loving others as yourself. Christ calls us, the law of Christ is beyond that, to love like Christ loves us. 
So we need to call, we are called to that higher standard. So then, you know, when I get to a scripture like, do everything without grumbling. Does anybody else just, you're, you're reading along, you're fine, you're reading the word of God and, and you're with it. And then you get to a scripture like, do everything without grumbling and you just sort of trip. It's like a speed bump in there and you're like, what? Do everything without, what? Come on, Paul, I got issues with you anyway. Um, come on, you can't. You Do everything without grumbling. Philippians 2.14, it's right there. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Man, why? Well, he answers that question. I'm like, why? Why? He says, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. That's what he says. So you can become pure children of God in this warped and crooked generation. Well, isn't every generation a warped and crooked generation? I mean, the older I get, the more I get more like that, get off my lawn. I'm getting closer and closer to that. Oh, the kids these days. I mean, I'm like just getting closer and closer to that. Oh, the kids, that generation now. You know, back in my day, I'm like three cats away from that lady. Like, I'm just, you know, I'm just getting there the older I get. But every generation we look back and go, oh, this generation is so messed up. Well, we've been saying that since first century Christianity and before, right? Every older generation looks back at the younger generation and just pines for the good old days, right? Well, Paul was saying that too. But he's calling us to be different and to stand out in this crooked generation. So let me say it again. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. And I get kind of stuck there because it's way more fun to argue and complain. But as I sat reading that passage, do everything without grumbling, my eyes drifted back up to the words that come before that. So let's put this all in context. This didn't come just out of the blue. The words that precede that statement, we read of the humiliation, the humbling of Christ. So again, in context, let's read about our um, need to stop grumbling. Here's what Philippians 2 first verse says. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value one another above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And here it is. Who being very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing.
by taking the very nature of a servant, being made human likeness and being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name Jesus in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence and now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you to will and to act to fulfill his good purpose. He made himself nothing. Other translations say he emptied himself. He went from deity, kingship, God. He emptied himself of that, set that aside, and became, other translations say, a slave. From kingship to slave, he emptied himself. He made himself nothing, a man of no reputation. He set that aside for you and for me. So again, in context, before we grumble about not being able to grumble, we've got two things at play here. A reminder of what Jesus did for us, something we cannot do. What he did for us, he made the big trip from ruler of the universe to earth that he created for us and through us. We, through him, set aside the rights and privileges of his deity for our sakes and died in our place. And then through his spirit continues to work in us throughout our lives to grow and more like him in perfect love. That to will and to act, to make us want to do what is good. To will and to act, to want to do the right thing and to be able to do the right thing through his spirit. Do you get it? It's all on God. He's doing it all. It for us, through us, in us. Then comes the statement, do everything without grumbling, because God's got you. Now it makes more sense. Now it seems more doable. It doesn't sound so cruel, does it? Do everything without grumbling or arguing. And then to finish that verse, then, Paul says, you will shine among them. You will shine among them, those crooked people. You will shine among them. You'll stand out. The contrast between you loving people, those who love one another, will stand out. You will shine like stars in contrast to the world. We should be sparkling. We should be shiny. We should stand out among others, those who don't love one another. We should be standing out among the world. We we should shine like stars before men. Um, Matthew 5.16 from the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, sh we should let our light shine before men, that they should see our good works. They should see it. That's not just we're on our own thinking good thoughts, saying little prayers, reading our Bibles, that's all good, but see our good works. We should be active in the world, showing our love for one another as an act of worship. Um, and then Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 9.21, he says, I have been all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I tripped on that one too. That sounds like compromise to me. I've been all things to all people. 
That sounds like compromise. What do you mean, Paul? Aren't we supposed to stand for the truth and don't give an inch? We got to. And he's saying, I've been all things to all people. That, sound, that sounds like being of this world, right? You're supposed to be in it, not out. Well, Jesus didn't compromise himself ever. But he walked among us and hung out with the wrong people, right? But Paul didn't compromise his, himself. He did that so that he could win as many as possible. God, the final king, gives us the law to love one another. That's going to mean that we're going to need to be among one another's. The final and only king says that love determines how I function in the world. Love drives my attitude, my behavior, and my approach to everything. Love drives that. And I don't have a choice about what love looks like if I'm a Christ follower. Love looks like what Jesus looks like. <laughs> love sits at tables with sinners without sinning. <laughs> love lifts up women and children. I mean, think in, in Jesus' time, that was not done. That was not done. Um, love lifts up those who would, society would say, are less than. Jesus touched the untouchable, loved the unlovable. He blessed those who cursed him. He forgave me and you. And he walked alongside people others would run away from or tell him to move away from. He did that. And you have done that. You have done that through partnering with the baby fold. You have done that. You have touched people that others don't want to get near. You have done that. I want to share a little bit about how you have done that. Um, four years ago, I think, you started walking with this family you did not know, and neither did I. I didn't know this family either. This was, a, this was an experiment. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Neither did you. Neither did they. Neither did the baby fold. I said some prayers, and we went for it. We just went for it. Let's see what happens if we have a church walk alongside this family. And so um, a healthy start uh, supervisor said, I got a family for you. It's a single mom and her little boy. Um, the dad is kind of in the picture, but we're not sure what's going to happen there. I met him, but he was not long in the picture. But I met mom. She was painfully shy, uh, could hardly make eye contact. She was sweet, nice but could hardly even talk to me, very, very shy. Um, but I knew it was going to work because the, I fell in love with the child <laughs> immediately. He was this tall, one-year-old, this tall, but he was this tall if you counted his hair. He had the big afro, mm, Don King kind of style hair. Oh, my Lord, the cutest little thing ever. Um, and uh, I'll share this with you. I didn't share it with the family, but I'll share this with you just so you know where my heart was and why I was all in. Um, the day before I met this family, I'd been called to the hospital um, because a friend of mine, uh, their daughter was having a child, who they birthing a child that they knew would not live. The day before I met this little boy, I had held and baptized and later buried a baby. My heart was shattered when I met this little boy. And I wanted to hold that baby boy 
so bad. He, he was so adorable. And I wanted to scoop him up and just hold him, his sweet little face. I wanted to lick his face. I wanted to live in his hair. I just wanted to, uh, so bad. But I knew that would freak him out. Don't do that. Lori, don't, don't squeeze the baby. But I wanted to so bad. And I, but I, with, I just restrained myself. Because I knew it was my broken heart. It was not about you, Lori. It's not about your broken heart. <laughs> Leave him alone. It's okay. But God bless him. I sat on the floor. God bless him. He crawled up in my lap. God bless him. He knew. Somehow he knew my little heart needed a hug. <laughs> and I was, I was done for. I was done. It was over. It was over for me. Thank God. Thank you, God. She said, yes. Well, yeah. And I said, there's this church, I didn't name even what it was, there's this church who kind of wants to help out, that'd be okay, tried not to make it a big deal. She's like, they want to, I don't care, (laughs) sure. Didn't even describe what that might look like. And then here comes some gift cards and some grocery money and, you know, just little by little and then some little clothes for him and you guys just started trickling in, and then some money just for the, for the program itself so that it wasn't just like directly to her, but through the baby fold, and little by little by little, and then she, you know, would let me come more and more often, and over these four years, God answered prayers I didn't ask. God answered prayers that I didn't have the courage to even ask him for. I just said, you know, let's take this journey together and let's see how far we get. And he took her from a really icky, smelly basement apartment. And I remember the, we started in the fall and she had the most pathetic Christmas tree I've ever seen. It was like literally a Charlie Brown Christmas tree with one ornament on it. I'm not kidding. It was pathetic. And she was so proud of it that she even had a Christmas tree for her kid. But like this pathetic apartment that reeked of cigarette smoke that she hated that. She hated that smell. And she moved several times because people who live right on the edge of poverty, she always worked, but people who live on the edge of poverty have to move a lot uh, to try to manage their expenses. And so she moved several, but I can tell you, just because I could talk all day, but Over the course of four years, she went through many apartments, always improving a little bit, through three different jobs, always coming up a little bit, to now she is a homeowner. She has her own house that doesn't smell like smoke. (laughs) She has her own basement, and she doesn't live in it. Um, (laughs) And her child is thriving. He just started kindergarten. He is on track developmentally. He's doing so well. She cut his hair, and I'm kind of devastated about that, but he's really cute, um, doing very well. Um, And probably the best thing along this journey, she gave her life to Christ, was baptized, and she goes to church every single Sunday. Now, yeah, I didn't ask for that. I didn't hope for that. I, I, I thought that's way beyond. I mean, she eventually gets there. Great. If she, you know, maybe, but is God good? Now, you've got another family you're working with. She's back at square one. <laughs> She's also kind of painfully shy and a little, she, she gives me the same kind of looks that this first mom did. You're going to help me, really? What are the strings attached? What strings are attached to this? She doesn't quite 
get it, these church people. That's what they call you, you know, the church people. Doesn't quite get it. Why are they doing this? What do they want from me? She's not quite sure what to make of me. Now, this mom has two children. One is um, starting first grade. The other is um, now two, uh, but she was a preemie. Um, and so she's a little bit behind developmentally, but she's coming along. She's doing well. They are uh, well bonded. Um, she's gonna. St- she's still getting PT and some things, but she's coming along. Mom's well bonded. She is working and going to school. Um, you guys provided. I don't know if you, who knows what all happened, but you provided a laptop computer for her, so she's been able to do online school. Um, so she is doing well. She's very smart. I didn't know this at first, but man, the more I talk with her and the more I meet with her and the more schooling she's doing, she's smart. You, she doesn't look smart. You just a physical appearance wise, you wouldn't, you know, it doesn't, doesn't look that way. She doesn't dress smart. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, you, just, you just wouldn't know. Um, but she is and uh, is doing very well. Uh, as we go along, I'll tell you more about her as she gets into an actual career, I hope I can share that with you because I'm going to ask her permission because it's pretty cool. Very unusual. Um, and I'll share that. I'm going to ask her permission to share that. But her faith, the faith piece, she's been hurt faith-wise. She's been hurt church-wise. So baby steps. Hang in there with me. Hang in there. I don't, again, I don't know what to pray for. God, let's take her as far as we can. Okay? She's been hurt. So I got some I got some fixing to do before I can take her forward. Does that make sense? I got some healing and some undoing to do. She's very skeptical. So hang in there, church people. Hang in there with me. It's going to take some time and some, some prayer and some work. But she's coming. She's coming along. So that's next. Okay. Back to it. Um, This Christ's law, love one another as I have loved you. I mean, it, it's hard to love others like Jesus loved us, but we have to like let that seep into our soul because he did do that. I mean, if we're very honest, and maybe it's just me, but if we're very honest, we can look at our relationship with God and say, well, you know, it can't be that hard for God to love us because look at us, we're the church. We showed up. We're, we're in church. Look at us. We're, we're the church. We're here on a Sunday. It's, it can't be that hard for God to love us. Jesus loves me, this I know. How he loves them, I don't know. And I didn't look at anybody, but have we got the them in mind? How he loved, God so loved the world. Yeah, but we don't, he, not really the world. How he loves them whatever them means for you. I don't know how he loves them. Because we've got the us and the them in our head, right? We just do. We just do. But we're called to love one another. That includes them, however we define them. That's the hard part. I don't know how he loves those other people. Well, I'm learning how. (laughs) Through meeting these other people that are weird and different and live different lives than I do. Uh, again, through my work with the baby fold, I'll give you another example. This is not one of your families because I, 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 I just can't do that. Um, but I, I met with a, another, uh, it was actually a grandmother, different town. I met with a grandmother, and um, she is raising her three granddaughters, okay? Now, 
I'm going to tell you part of her story, and you're, you're going to be able to fill in some of the pieces. It's a grandmother who's raising grandchildren uh, in this crummy neighborhood in another town, kind of dangerous neighborhood, I was told. Go during the day. Um, and do follow kind of the, your, your basic social worker kind of protocol. Um, lock your purse in your car. Uh, go in the daytime. Make sure uh, you go to the bathroom before you go in the house because you're not going to want to go to the bathroom in that house. Um, make sure you're hydrated. Uh, don't go in hungry or thirsty because you're not going to want to eat or drink anything in that house. Those kind of things. That's just kind of basic safety, social worker kind of protocol. So I did all those things. I arrived at her home. I pulled up in front of the house. Um, I walked up the driveway. They had a bunch of bikes uh, in the driveway, one kind of falling apart car. And went into the home. She was very nice, this grandmother. She looked, uh, I found out she's actually younger than I am, but looked much, much older than me. Uh, brought me into her home, invited me to sit down on her, her couch. Um, I sat down and tried not to touch anything. The house looked crazy. It looked crazy in there. It was kind of dark, but every wall was painted a different, very bright color, like neon, orange, green, yellow. It was like crazy in there. Chip and Joanna could not have saved this home. It was crazy. There was a hot water heater in the living room. Why? I mean, it was crazy in there. There was a dog barking in the corner, like out of its mind, barking. And she said, oh, he's just got a mouse. Don't worry about it. He won't kill it. Lord, and, and, and I'm all prayed up. I, and don't judge, don't judge. And I am love this woman, love this woman, don't judge. But I'm like, what's going on in here? This is nuts, right? And you're, you're filling in the story too. This is grandma, granddaughters, where's the, where's the child? Where's the husband? You know that's not a good story. But that somebody's in jail. Somebody's an alcoholic. Somebody's on drugs, right? And you'd be partly right. But why the crazy house? What's going on? So I sit down, and I have her tell me your story, because that's always what you do. Because let me tell you, and I say this at every every group I can. Hear this: if you've fallen asleep, wake back up. Everybody is doing the best they can with what they have and with what they know. Everybody doing the best they can with what they have and with what they know. So she's doing the best they can, she can with what she has and what she, what she knows. So you sit down, you shut up, and you listen to the story. She had grown up in that house. It's the only thing she owns. She grew up in that house, abusive alcoholic father. She was abused. Her daughter was abused, the grandchildren. Father's out, husband left, all of that because of the abuse. And the home had been just basically a house of horrors. The hot water heater is up in the living room because that's the only place where the floor will still hold that kind of weight. The house has fallen down, but it's all she's got. Hang on to it. Hang on to it. It's all she's got. And the walls, I asked her about it. I said, wow, this is interesting. <laughs> it's horrifying, but interesting, I said. And she said, well, the girls and I decided that we'd had enough of the memories in this house, and we just wanted to cover it up. 
It was art therapy. They covered it up with sunshine colors, and they thought it was pretty. And it covered up some of the memories, the nightmares of that house. And they were starting over. Looked crazy to me. It was beautiful to them. Who am I to say? You know, later on, Paul talks to another church in Galatia. In the Galatians, in Galatians, he says, carry one another's burdens. Carry one another's burdens. And, and to me, I always kind of thought, well, that means lifting somebody else's load, taking it off their hands, uh, doing it for them, carry, carry their load, um, fix it. That's kind of what I, what I thought. He says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And what is the law of Christ? Love one another as I have loved you, okay? In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So we see this again, this love one another by carrying one another's burdens. Well, in order to carry someone other, somebody else's burdens, you need to stop what you're doing and lift their burden means you've got to face the direction they're going. So maybe you see the world from their point of view, move in their direction, see where they're headed and why, you get a little more information. And it occurs to me, if you're going to carry someone's burden, you've got to pick it up. And when you pick it up, maybe for the first time, you begin to understand how heavy it is. You haven't unpacked it. You haven't assessed it. You haven't analyzed it. You're just picking it up. Carry it for a minute. Just carry it. And maybe you're amazed at how heavy it is. And maybe you'd be prompted to ask, wow, I had no idea you were carrying that much weight. And maybe ask a question, how long have you been carrying that? And maybe the baggage is pretty obvious. It's a beat up old bag and it looks like poverty, and it looks like domestic violence, and it looks like a burden. It looks like people look like, some people wear their burden, and you can tell that grandmother, I could see her burden on her body. I could see it, but I have some bags that say coach or Dooney and Burke, <laughs> and they're heavy too. They're just dressed up. You don't know until you pick it up. And, you know, I found that once you pick it up and you feel how heavy it is and you've walked a little bit in their direction, it's pretty hard to just give it back. But asking, is there something I can take out of there for you? Is there a way I can lighten that for you? Or can I come back tomorrow and carry that a little farther? It's, it's pretty hard to do without at least asking some questions. Is there... Is there something I can do about that? Well, you all did that. You took some stuff out of the bag. You're taking things out of the bag for these families and putting some other stuff in, teaching them. Not, and again, not just doing it. We're not taking the bag away. We're lightening it, understanding it. You know, when we understand more, we fear less, we connect more. Love is the bridge to understanding. 
we got to love first, and then we'll understand. And as we understand, we fear less and we love more. It's a wonderful little cycle. Y'all are doing that. Lightening it, not fixing it, not just enabling. But can we just walk with them a little bit? Assess the weight, understand it a little bit? Because again, everybody's doing what the best they can with what they have and with what they know. We're teaching some stuff they don't know, giving them some stuff they don't have, teaching them with compassion and love. It's all we were asked to do. It's the law of Christ. Don't have to understand why the house is weird. Don't have to understand why somebody would live in a basement apartment like that. Why someone would have a baby without getting the ring on it first. Don't have to understand that. I will say this, because I know I shared it with uh, Deb, I think. Um, you know, it, there, are, there are couples who have even divorced or intentionally not married because they can't afford it, because they get more help when they're single. That's how our system is. Okay, so you kind of pull a little judgment off of that, too. I'm just saying, throw that out there. Okay, so we need to understand, seek to understand, love, because if we do, if we love in this extraordinary way, we will shine like stars. So can we get to sparkling? I want to. Thanks for sparkling with us. Amen.